Well, we're now going to spend some time looking at God's Word together. And uh, over the last three weeks, or four weeks, we've been looking at Saul's story on the road to Damascus and uh, how God broke into his life, how he met Jesus, how God changed his life. And then last week, we were looking at how that transformation led to him living his life with a new purpose. And today we've come to the climax of the season on Netflix, the final part of the story, um, as we look at how he moves from Damascus into Jerusalem. And over this uh, time, we've been looking at uh, how God revealed himself in wonderful ways to Saul. Um, uh, But also, we've been recognizing that what's true in Saul's story is also the same for us in our own story as we live our lives for Jesus. If we've chosen to follow Jesus, then even in the huge diversity of all our own individual lives and circumstances, uh, we all ultimately share those same traits to our story. We've encountered Jesus as the risen Son of God. His light has shone into the darkness of our lives, just as it did for Saul. As his light has shone into our lives, it has changed and transformed our lives for the better, because God's love and light doesn't make us any worse. Because we met Jesus, we've all found new hope, new life that has transformed how we live. Over the last few weeks, We've been reminded not only of our story, but we've also thought about how we can share our story with those around us. One of the things that inspired me to look at this passage uh, together as a church family was that whilst I was on my sabbatical, I met a whole range of different people who shared with me beautifully and wonderfully their story. And over the last few weeks, we've heard some of their stories as they've shared them with us. And today is no different. So before we go any further, we're going to listen to Wana's story this morning. How did Jesus change my life since I have become a Christian? I grew up in a Christian family and yeah, have been to church for a long time, so it's like a relapse for many, many years. But since I have met Helen Witt and gave me opportunity to get to know Jesus, and I have uh, my yeah my heart has been changed uh, in many areas and Jesus is my hope when we have any uh, trouble uh, yeah we can pray and ask the Lord to help us uh, that Jesus become our strength thing that we can a person that we can rely on and Jesus has changed my my life like my thoughts my habits uh, yeah, that I was a hot tempered and, and shouted out loud to anybody but that Jesus since they come to study and knowing uh, and, and then I began to think and how to control my anger I cool down 
and a lot of lot of my bad old habits has been changed. Thank you uh, that we able to uh, get closer to Jesus again. Uh, Helen and Wade came to me. Now I, we were so delighted to meet them. They help uh, people in the community, including me as well. Like setting up their basket weaving and giving me to have the extra income. Yeah. And the practical needs or so anything, uh, we can uh, really talk and ask uh, with and Helen to, and that they have been without my helpers. Thank you, God, for leading with and Helen come to this uh, in this village. Uh, thank you so much. Wanna. Uh, came to find Jesus in her own life, but one of the key things for Wana in her story was the people she came into contact with, the community that she's since belonged to. And uh, we're going to think a little bit more about that as we look at God's Word together now. So if you've got your Bible with you, uh, feel free to turn with me as we continue through Acts 9 together. We're down to verse 26. Uh, if you don't have a Bible or you'd like to follow another way, um, the words will be on the screen as I read uh, this final part of Saul's um, testimony and Saul's story, having met Jesus on the road to Damascus. Um, so, starting at verse 26. When he came to Jerusalem, that is Saul, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he really was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. He told them how Saul was on his journey and had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him and how in Damascus he'd preached fiercely in the name of Jesus. So Saul stayed with them and moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. He talked and debated with the Hellenistic Jews, but they tried to kill him. When the believers learned of this, they took him down to Caesarea and sent him off to Tarsus. Then the church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace and was strengthened, living in the fear of the Lord and encouraged by the Holy Spirit, it increased in numbers. Let's uh, pray as we come to think about God's word together this morning. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for all that it reveals of who you are, and all of the way that it encourages us to live for you. And so Lord, as we come to look at this passage together now, we pray again that you would continue to speak to us, that you continue to lead us, that you continue to guide us, that we might know you more clearly as you reveal the wonder of who you are to us through your word, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you cast your mind back or cast your eye back to verse 25, where we left off the story last week, you'll remember that Saul, just before he goes to Jerusalem, has had to leave Damascus in fear for his life. 
Once again, the Jews that, are trying, that used to be his friends, that used to be his colleagues, that used to be members of his family, had turned against him. So he had to make a quick exit um, as his new friends lowered him down out of the city walls in a basket to safety. They had to lower him out in a basket because even just going out onto the street was too dangerous for Saul. He had to basically take the emergency fire exit to escape and to run for his life. And so in this gap between verse 25 and verse 26, I think it's just really helpful as we pick up this story to take a moment to consider how Saul must have felt in that moment. As he's lowered down in that basket through the city walls, how would a Saul been feeling? His old friends had tried to kill him. His new friends had come and saved his life and given him a new future. But now he's left at the bottom of the city walls entirely alone with nowhere that he could say that he belonged, with no one around him to support him. Following Jesus is not always easy. When we follow Jesus, there will be times where we feel like we have nowhere to belong. Today, there are people who've been ostracized, as John's been reminding us as we pray together, from their family because they've chosen to follow Jesus. Because they met Jesus, their friends and their community will have nothing to do with them anymore. Some of, the best, some of them at best will feel lonely and like they've got nowhere to belong. Others will have to genuinely run and be in fear for their life, all because they met Jesus. Sometimes following Jesus is tough, but may we never take our freedom to follow Jesus for granted. If that was you in that story... If it was you at the bottom of that wall at the, uh, in, outside the Damascus city, how would you respond? If you felt like you had nowhere else to belong, nowhere else you could turn to, what would you do? If you were left all alone because of your faith in Jesus, how much more would you value your church community and the community of believers that you belonged to. It fascinates me how Saul responds to running for his life from Damascus. If that had been me, call me a wuss, but I would have tried to lay down low. I'd have tried to go somewhere where no one knew me. I'd have said, right, I'm going to just duck and cover. I'm going to keep quiet, not going to stir up any hornet's nests, and I'm just going to let it all die down, and then maybe one day I can go back and my friends will have cooled off a little bit. But Saul takes a different approach. Even as he runs for his life, Saul doesn't run away. Instead, he runs, if anything, towards the danger. Remember all the way back to the start of Acts 9, Jerusalem was the place where Saul had started out persecuting the church. He'd been there as other people had stoned Stephen to death in Jerusalem. If you had people trying to kill you because of your faith in Jesus, then Jerusalem was the last place you'd want to go, especially when you were as well known there as Saul was. 
So why did Saul make the decision to return to Jerusalem? Why did he put himself in such danger? The answer to me is clear as we read verses 26 and 27. He goes to Jerusalem not because it was the headquarters of the people who were trying to hunt him down and he says, I'm going to go and destroy them from the inside like some kind of action hero. But instead, he goes to Jerusalem because that's where the leaders of the church were. As he arrives in Jerusalem, the first thing he does is not go and try and clear his name. It's not to seek out the people who were hunting him so he can get to them before they get to him. It's not about going back to his old way of life because all of a sudden he's found this new way of life of living for Jesus is a bit harder than he'd anticipated. So he's just going to go back to how things used to be. But instead, his first response is to find somewhere that he can belong, to find his fellow believers. I said it last week, and I'll say it again and again and again. If we have met Jesus, and if we want to live our lives for him, then we need to get into community. We need to be a part of his church. This was a priority for Saul, and it needs to be a priority for us as well. One of the greatest challenges that the church faces in the wake of the pandemic is this idea that you can just do church on your own. It doesn't matter about other people. It's between me and God, and that is it. That you can dip into this one church for this one thing and dip into that church for one thing and never really belong but just consume, consume, and consume. One of the greatest dangers that we face is the idea that faith is just a personal thing and not a corporate thing. Saul went on to be the Apostle Paul, and his legacy is that he went on to be one of the greatest, most pioneering followers of Jesus that the world has ever seen. So if Saul knew that he needed to get into a community of believers, then so do you, so do I, so do all of us who follow Jesus. A true encounter with Jesus always leads to us belonging to his church. Are you feeling like you don't know where you belong this morning? Are you feeling like you're lost and alone and isolated? Can I please remind you that that is not the way it has to be. That's not the way it should be. This is not uh, how Jesus created us to live. Yes, faith is personal. It's an personal encounter. It's a personal decision. But faith is lived out in community. This morning, let's choose to embrace being a part of that church community. Because you are here at Arbor Road Baptist Church, I hope that you might feel like you belong and a part, want to be a part of this church community. But if not, that's fine. Wherever it is, just make sure you're a part of something, somewhere that you actually belong. And let's take a moment to consider what being a part of a church community looks like. Firstly, belong, belonging to a church is about far more than just turning up on a Sunday. That's a good place to start, don't get me wrong, but what's next? There's more to church than just what happens in a service on a Sunday for an hour. 
Being a church, part of a church community means drawing close to people. It means sticking around for coffee after church. Joining in the community it isn't just about attending a service, but it's about a community that we belong to, about being a part of something rather than just coming and then running off. Being a community involves joining a home group. Church isn't just about sitting in the same room with a bunch of familiar strangers each week, but it's about getting close to people, um, getting to know one another, supporting one another. You might not be able to do that with 50 or 100 or 25 people or however many people are in a room, but you do that by connecting with smaller groups by supporting one another. That's why we do home groups and small groups as a church. Being a community means getting involved, partnering and serving as much as it does receiving. If you've been coming to church for a while, we'd love to encourage you to get involved. I've already told you how, spoiler alert, but there's ways you can get involved and we'd love you to be a part of our church. If you haven't yet come to become a church member, then we'd love to invite you to become one. Not because of any reason other than the fact that we just want you to say, this is where I belong. This is my church family. This is where I can live my life out for Jesus. Even when Saul was left alone running for his life, he knew where he belonged. He knew he belonged with the other disciples who had had the same encounter with Jesus that he had had. So where do you belong this morning? Where is it that you find that sense of community? Where is it that encourages you and inspires you to live your life for Jesus, that enables you and resources you to do so? If you've met Jesus, how might you get into a community with other people who've encountered him too? I assure you that if you do so, you'll never look back. If you get into a community amongst God's people, you'll never feel like you have nowhere to belong. A vital part of belonging is not only that decision to belong somewhere, but it's also feeling welcomed as you do so. Have you ever gone somewhere where you've not felt welcome? Uh, I've been a Leeds fan sitting in the Leicester end of a football stadium. Didn't feel welcome. Uh, uh, but where, where, have, where else have you been? Never mind that awkwardness of meeting new people, but that underlying doubt of, do I really belong here? The awareness that this is new territory, this is uncommon ground. When I used to work as an accountant, I was a junior accountant, a trainee. Uh, I was both about the most junior member of staff in the office. And occasionally I got invited, I got told to go to some meeting of big business people. And I remember going along to these things. I really enjoyed it because it got me away from my desk and there were people I could actually talk to. And I was like, that's good. Uh, accountants don't get that very often. So I was like, I'm going to enjoy this. But when I got there, there's all these big business people and I just sat there, I was like, I don't know what I'm doing here. I don't know if I really belong here. And I never really, truly felt welcomed in that space. If anyone must have felt out of place going to church in Jerusalem, it must have been Saul. Previously, he persecuted and hated these people. Now, he was trying to tell them 
that he wanted to be their friends, that he wanted to be a part of their community, that he believed the very same thing that they believed that just a few weeks ago, he'd been, or a few years ago, he'd been pre- previously trying to destroy. As Saul arrived in Jerusalem, the other believers were hesitant to welcome him. And then just like Ananias did back in Damascus, Barnabas speaks up. And as Barnabas speaks up, he gives Saul a warm welcome. Now, we don't know too much about Barnabas. Uh, We don't know where he met Saul. We don't know why he was able to vouch for him in the way that other believers in Jerusalem weren't. But Barnabas knew it was important that if Saul was to belong, he needed to be given a warm welcome. And if he was to belong, the church needed to embrace him and welcome him in. I've never heard yet of a church say that they're an unwelcoming church. Uh, I don't know if you've ever done that, but it seems to me that every church has got it sorted. Every church is the most welcoming church in town. Um, But if we are to truly be a welcoming church, we can't just say that with our words. It needs to be demonstrated and lived out in the way that we put those words into action. And this passage shows us six ways of what it looks like to be a welcoming church. Firstly, it means that we are people of faith. The church in Jerusalem put their faith into action. As they welcomed Saul It was uncomfortable. It was awkward. When people join our new church, it might be uncomfortable. It might feel unfamiliar. But we need to step out in faith and say, do you know what? We don't know these people, but we're going to welcome them in regardless. A welcoming church is also hospitable. Verse 28 says that Saul stayed with the church. Not only did they include him, but they took him in. They supported him. They resourced him. They gave him accommodation. Whatever it might have been, they were hospitable to him, and they welcomed him in. As well as being a hospitable and a welcoming church, the church also needs to be personal and relational. The reason that Barnabas could testify that Saul was genuine in his faith was because he got personally involved with Saul. He talked to him. He asked about his story. He'd seen him in action. That's why he could testify that he'd seen him preaching bravely, because he'd been there. He'd got involved. He's he's seen what Saul was about. You can't be a welcoming church and then keep people at a distance. We've got to get to know people's story. We've got to relate to them, hear their story, and welcome them in. A challenge for those of us who are established members here at this church. It's been great to see so many new people come and join us recently. It's wonderful, a real blessing, and it's great to be able to welcome them in. But how much of the new people's story do those of us who are more established know? We need to be challenged to step out of our comfort zone, to talk to one another, to say, tell me about yourself. Tell me, what brings you along to church here? It's so good to have you with us. Next, a welcoming church is also open to all. Saul wasn't invited to join the church like it was a secret society, that if he did all the right things, then he could come and be a part of the church. 
But in verse 26, we're told that it was Saul who approached the apostles and the disciples about becoming a part of the church. A welcoming church is not an invite-only club, but a welcoming church is for whoever wants to come and join in to be a part of it. But alongside being open to all, a welcoming church must also be full of integrity. And this is a really important thing that we always need to bear in mind. People didn't just welcome Saul because he was an extra name to add to the list of people who are a part of our church. People didn't welcome Saul just because they thought we've got to be welcoming, so therefore come along and join in. They wanted to make sure that he was genuine in his faith. We must always be open and welcoming as a church, but that welcome must never water down our integrity. A welcoming church must always ensure that Jesus is at the center of all that we are and all that we do. Because a church without Jesus is just a gathering of people. Finally, a welcoming church embraces mission. And this leads me on to uh, my uh, last point this morning. As we follow Jesus and as we find a place to belong, it enables us and it resources us to boldly step out in mission and to know that we are backed up as we do so. You could probably preach a whole sermon just on that latter part of that passage in Acts 9 that we spoke to this morning. But look at Saul's story. He not only belonged to the church, but he went out into Jerusalem boldly preaching and proclaiming Jesus as he did so. He went into hostile ground and he freely spoke about Jesus. He gets straight back to the task of preaching and persuading people, this is who Jesus is. Don't miss out. You can meet him for yourself too, just as I did. As Saul did this, the church stood by him. They supported him. They encouraged him. And they know, as he no doubt encouraged them. But as Saul spoke, badly, or spoke boldly, he also was backed up by his newfound church family. When the Jews turned against him, when his life was in danger, who were the people who stepped up to help Saul? It was the church. They protected him. They sent him off to safe land. In verse 30, um, we're, we're told that just like in Damascus, it was the believers who first learned, of Saul, that, uh, learned that Saul's life was in danger. And so they protected their friend and helped him to escape. However, the translation of the NIV Bible here, I think, hides something from us that's really significant. In verse 30, the word in our Bibles that is translated believers in the Greek is actually translated as brothers. So instead of it being the disciples who rescued um, Saul and took him off to safety, it was the brothers who took him to safety. Now, some of you might think, well, that's not very politically correct. I'm sure there were some sisters in the church in Jerusalem who were keeping an eye out for Saul as well. What's going on here? And I'm sure that there were some sisters who were helping out and looking after Saul as well as some of the brothers. However, the thing that I think is significant is can you remember what the first words that Saul heard when he first encountered a Christian following his, transfer, following his encounter with Jesus on the road back to Damascus. 
We looked at it a few weeks ago. Ananias came to meet, uh, meet um, uh, Saul in Judas' house on Straight Street. And the first word that Ananias said to Saul was, Brother Saul. Verse 17, if you want to go back and look it out. Brother Saul. The moment Saul met Jesus, his life changed forever in so many different ways. He found a new purpose as he lived his life for Jesus instead of trying to battle him and fight against him. But through it all, he primarily found a family that he belonged to. And what is true for Saul is also true for each one of us here today. A part of our story is, yes, we've met Jesus. Yes, he's changed our life. Yes, he's given us a new purpose to live for. But all that stuff is rooted in belonging, in belonging to his family, to being brothers and sisters together in Christ. So may we continue to embrace that family, to continue to commit to being a part of that family and to live out, uh, as we live out our story for Jesus. Let's welcome people into our family. Let's be bold and back each other up as we go and live our lives for Jesus. And through it all, may we always know that we are never alone. My story is that I know where I belong. I have hundreds of millions of brothers and sisters throughout the world who share the same story as me, and so do you. I met Jesus. Jesus changed my life. In him, I found purpose. And in him and in his church, I found that I belong. That is my story. And that can also be your story today. All you need to do is me, Jesus. Let's pray together. Father God, we praise you for the wonder of who Jesus is, for the wondrous way that he's revealed himself, not just to us here in this place, but to hundreds of millions of people around the world. And that in that wonderful great number of fellow believers, we just don't share some faith, but we share our identity. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. Lord, we pray that even when it might feel like we have nowhere to turn, we pray that we would always know that we belong in you and we belong with one another in you. We pray that as a church here, you would help us to be a family that's fit into that call that you have given to us. That we would not just be fellow church goers, that we wouldn't just be friends, that we wouldn't just be church members, but that we would be brothers and sisters. That we would welcome people warmly, that we would back each other up as we live our lives for you. Lord, for those of us this morning who are maybe saying, I like this idea of belonging, but I don't know if it's for me. Lord, we thank you that you always welcome us in. That you always want to introduce yourselves to us that we might belong. And so, Lord, we pray that those 
who might be feeling like that today, that they too might know your presence, that they might encounter you, that they may know you changing your, their lives, that you might know, they might know you giving them new purpose, but also that they might know that they belong here as a part of your church family. We praise you for the story that you have called us into. And as we live out our stories and our lives for you, we continue to praise you for who you have revealed yourself to be throughout our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.